It's bad ink, Jam, but not as we know it. This is bad. Welcome to the Bookie Bashing, a weekly bash cast brought to you by BookieBashing.net. This is big, looking at next week's opportunities and last week's profits. This is Bashcast episode number 134. Greed is a little bit more than enough. It is 20 minutes to 9pm. On Saturday, the 16th of March, 2019. Coming up in tonight's Bashcast, I am winging it a little bit, because if I don't press record and just go, there's not going to be a Bashcast ever again. We've just got to do this. We've got to strap in and actually just get it done. So I don't even have an agenda. All that and more coming up. (laughs) the Bashcast tonight. Uh, Wolves versus Manchester United on the television like a 9pm game on a Saturday evening which is not European. One Man United to win the game to complete a treble at Fred and... Why did I bet Rashford? I'm on Rashford first goal scorer, but I can't remember why. Oh, double delight Atrick Kevin in play. It, I, I, it was desperately poor pre-match, but in play, it was still desperately poor. It was like six to back, seven to lay, which is probably neutral EV. Um, certainly not going to get rich betting that long term, but it just gives me some interest. It's one of those, it's like, so Rashford scores first, Man United blatantly going to win, and everything comes in, or Jimenez, as he is about to do, Ooh, Wolves nearly took the lead there. Just like Swansea did earlier. Can you hear my fan? still have this problem that my cheap-ass office Celsius TV, which used to be like the house TV when we didn't have a, a decent one, and then it got demoted to the bedroom TV, and then it got demoted to my office TV, so it hangs on the office. The frequency for the remote control is the same as the Dyson fan that's next to me. So every time I turn the TV up and down, the fan turns on and off. Anyway, that's by the by. Uh, Wow, it's been a while since I did the last Bashcast. I did not mean to have this much time off. And to be fair, I never do a Bashcast on a Saturday night. But if I didn't do it tonight, I felt like I was never going to do it again. There were just so many things got in the way of it. Um, and I'm not going to lie, about t- two hours ago, I think I'd made the decision that I was going to postpone it for, I don't know, what would it be, the fourth or the fifth time? But um, the reason being, like, I fasted t- the whole day today. I was doing it, I was going to go for a 36-hour fast, which is fine. Um, it gets me back in sync every now and again when eating too much and drinking too much 
Um, so I do these 36-hour fasts two times a week. But the problem with them is that when you hit the evening, so you don't, you get, you go to bed, you wake up, you don't eat anything during the day or night. You go to bed again, and then you wake up, and you're bloody starving, but you, you've set yourself in sync, right? The only issue I have, and I'm aware that happens, is that towards, like, the end of the day, you get a bit of a grump, a serious grump, actually, because your uh, hormones are starting to fluctuate quite wildly. Your body goes into starvation mode about 24 hours after eating, and then it starts saying, right, we need to start protecting ourselves because of the days when we lived in caves, and um, we may not be eating for some time. Like, I know that there's a part of your brain that realizes that there's cereal downstairs, there's plenty of eggs, there's fruit, there's vegetables in the fridge, there's a frozen pizza if you need it. But there's another irrational part of my brain that's still a caveman that says, we do not know the next time that we're going to be eating, Tom, right? So I'm going to steal some hormones to put your body into starvation mode. And those hormones are directly linked to happiness and mood, I think. In fact, it's not really happiness. It's not that I'm miserable. I'm tetchy is, what, is probably the best way of describing it. So, okay, I can deal with being tetchy. I'm a grown-ass man, right? I don't mind being tetchy. Like, I'm not unhappy. I'm not miserable. I'm just a little bit irritable, I think. The only issue is I wouldn't want to do the bash cast when I'm irritable. Otherwise, I would come across like a moaning bastard. I really would. Like, <laughs> it's not a good way of doing it. Like, it, you know, you wouldn't do the Bashcast if you were, if you had just gone through some sort of trauma or, or any podcast, would you? So, um, you know, when I starve myself and do these fasts, it's never a good idea to do the Bashcast on the same day. And so, like, okay, right, I was skiing three weeks ago, so I'm allowed to have a week off. Meant to do it the next week, and I came down with this horrible, horrible throat infection like it was all down my throat and it was just painful to talk and so uh, I delayed it 24 hours and then cancelled it for the week last week because it was like you know I'm not going to put myself through pain also it would have been horrible to the whole thing would have sounded like I was talking like it wouldn't be good um and then this week it was Cheltenham week and I know last year Last year, I managed to get a podcast into the middle of Ch Cheltenham week. I don't actually know how I did that, because I think I was loads busier last week, last year than this year. But I was just really tired. And so I said, oh, I'm not going to do it on the Thursday. I'll do it on the Friday. Do you know what happened on the Friday night? This is the this is the this how exciting my life is. Kids went to bed. Jen went out with her friends. So she was out. I had the house to myself. Do whatever I want. Load up some online poker. Play some high-stakes tournaments. Some cash games. Get the bash cast going. Ramp up Pete Tong on Radio 1, you know, start having some fun. 8.15pm on the Friday after Cheltenham, I decided just to have a little lie down and I think I was asleep by 8.20 and I was just asleep for the whole night until the next morning, like 12 hours sleep straight through. So, And like, and so yeah, I was lying there last night thinking I could do the bash cast and no, I couldn't. No, I was too tired to do it. And then again, I was going to postpone it again today and... I, do you know what? I went downstairs and said, Jim, what's the priority here? And it's got to be the podcast. Um, Daniel L. gets in touch. Says, um, hi, Tom. Huge fan of the podcast and the advanced community and even your music choices. Keep up the good work. Oh, that was from 
sorry, months ago. Then he got he came on this afternoon and said, just wanted to say, um, I know you've been skiing, had a sore throat, and it was Cheltenham, but I'm in the corner of the room, curled up in a ball, scratching my arms because we ain't had a bash cast in ages. And he's right. And so I was tempted to delay it again until next week. But actually, you know what? If you do like listening to the Bashcast, thank you very much. I do this for myself. It certainly isn't the largest podcast in the world. (laughs) I think we have 400 to 500 listeners, um, of which a small fraction are Bucky Bashing members, by the way. Um, Around the world... And even if I didn't have Bucky bashing or even if no one was listening, I think this forms so much of an important part of my life that I would continue to do it. It's good. It's actually structuring in sort of helping me how I'm thinking. But it's actually good now and again. It's nice now and again just to get a little bit of feedback of somebody coming and saying it's good. So if you've got any feedback, if it's negative, I'm really thin-skinned, so you don't need to get in touch with me and tell me that you hate it. But if it's positive, you know, let me know. That'd be nice. So, listen, I haven't prepared tonight. In fact, the preparation that I got around to doing was I went downstairs and I had some pasta and two glasses of red wine. Um, And then normally what I do is I do an hour's worth of preparation and then start recording. And tonight I've done none. So what we're going to have tonight is by the seat of my pants, making it up as I go along. But there's enough to talk about from the last three weeks. So yeah, I was saying three weeks ago I was skiing. So let's start this in chronological order. This is a skiing holiday with um, with my buddies. We always go to the same place. It's a little village called St. John de Alps where we have access to the same flat every single year. And so we go there and we stay there. And we'll probably continue going there forever. We just have to drive further to hit different resorts. Now, I came across an advantage play quandary whilst out in in the village of St. John de Alps. So we got there the first night and we went down to the pub and we had a few beers. And it was like enough beers because it's like... You know, the boys are away from the little kids for the first night and just all the stress and everything of getting there and getting sorted. So you have a beer, you marry the beer with some toffee vodka, the Ginepri, which is popular in the skiing resorts, a few more beers. It's enough that memory loss becomes not total but hazy. It's like you can't perfectly remember everything towards the end of that. We weren't on it all night, all day big session it was like two three hours of just chatting merrily in the pub happy times bit of laughter and so that was the first night and then we went down the second night and we just stood there having a drink and the manager of this bar bar len fal in st john de Alps, she comes across we know the bar very well having been there for 20 years, but it's changed owners every two or three years. It's a difficult place to run a bar. She comes across and she says, lads, you owe me 40 euros. Just like that, just out of the blue, like that. So we're like, excuse me, what? And she said, two, well, last night, it's actually two nights ago, 
you were in here and you had the last round of drinks and you left without paying. Now, the only problem with this, obviously we're not the type of people that would scam anyone deliberately, especially, you know, I've got the expendable cash of book of bucky bashing. I'm not going to do, and it's a local bar that we've been to for years and there's just no reason for us to, for us to scam these people. Um, it's possible we would have forgotten, but everybody was quite certain that they paid for their drinks, down to the fact that a couple of lads paid on their card, and when you look at their online statement, you see that that money had gone through. So she's adamant that we've done it, but we're absolutely adamant that we haven't done it. And then she drops this bombshell. Well, it was either you or the other group of French lads that were in here. Now, she doesn't know us for Adam. She doesn't know that we've been going to this bar for 20 years. But that is a that is an awful thing just to drop. Just in the middle, Well, it was either you or it was someone else. So she left us with the bill, fully expecting us to then pay the bill. So what do you do now? I mean, you've got your options of. You pay the bill that you don't think is yours, but you can't be 100% sure because there were a few drinks that night. I mean, it, it's not impossible that someone ordered a round of drinks and forgot to pay, but it's improbable. You don't pay with the risk that you actually did, you know, do a runner without without paying your tab at the end of the night. Or you come to some kind of compromise. And to me, I was like, well, you know, we could refuse to pay. The problem with refusing to pay is that we've now blackened our name in this place and it's somewhere that we intend to go throughout the future years but then also i'm not just going to be totally ripped off and pay for a round of drinks where there was a possibility that it was the other french lads whose it was so i thought well my plan was this is now a game of poker and i'm going to play this like i play a game of poker like i've got two seven offsuit in the small blind i've raised the big blind the big blinds come over the top of me with obviously with a big hand and i've got two options now i can fold like a cheap whore or i can go for it and i went for it and i said okay here's what i'm gonna do and i had absolutely no intention of doing this but it was all it was all a little bit of mind games um, and by the way, if she'd accepted the deal, I would have totally gone through with that. I said, we cannot prove that it was us, but we can't disprove that it was us. But you cannot prove it was us and you can't disprove that it wasn't us because it could have been these French lads who were in the corner. So we're very hesitant to pay for the round of drinks. But also we don't want to leave you feeling like you've been ripped off. So I propose a deal. We will pay for half of the round of the drinks. We'll pay 20 euros. And if you will accept that, then w one of us is going to be wrong and one of us is going to be right, but only half of us are due for the liability. What do you think about that? And she thought about the offer for about for like a, a, a considerable amount of time. And then she just said you know what, it's not even that much money, scrunched up the receipt and threw it onto the floor, which I thought was a result. It was the only fair result. I, I, if there's any risk that the accusation is wrong and someone has to lose money in this venture, it should be the business, I think. And that's where we were going for this whole thing. But had she accepted that, I think, well, I would have had to have been a man of our word and paid the 20 euros. It would have pissed me off. Totally. 
And then we would have got home and somebody would have remembered that it was there around after all of that. So that was skiing a couple of weeks ago. And then last week I said I was ill. I was. I came up with this throat infection from the bloody kids. And on the Saturday, uh, I was going down to the Betting Emporium Cheltenham dinner at the Thingy Thing French restaurant in Farringdon in London. I was annoyed that I was ill because on the Friday I didn't know if I was going or not. I really didn't know if I was going to make it down. There's no point in going to these things if you're unwell. In fact, even on the Saturday I was sort of 50-50, but I jumped on the train and I went down there. And um, it was a good night, all in all. Um, It was one of these events where there's a lot of people that like the sound of their own voice. And there's a lot of people who know who everyone else is, but I don't recognise that many names in the um, in the betting, in the racing industry. So, we get there, there's about 40 people there all in all. The first thing is, we're not even sure what room it is, and we walk in and we, I say to the, there's like a waiter guy holding a tray with a couple of glasses of champagne on it and I just said am I in the right place and he went yeah he's like he didn't know even what place I was looking for he just went yep so I was like okay I'll have the glass of champagne (laughs) that'll be fine and then you go downstairs to this room there's about 40 people and five tables with eight people on each and each table has like a panel member on it so we had the um, racing journalist Rory DeLaghi on our table there was Neil Channon across from us. Um, Sean Boyce was the was the compare for the evening. Linda, is it Linda Hislop? Something like that. And it was in a table in the background. And uh, some guy from some young guy in his mid to early thirties from from UK Racing or Racing UK, who was absolutely smashed look he, he you can be very knowledgeable about any subject in the entire world but if you're talking to a room of people and you're smashed um it's not a good look <laughs> don't be drunk when you're doing public speaking he was he, he had, had a lot to drink we'd all had a lot to drink because it's the kind of free drink event and then once you've finished your glass the waiters come and top it up and i'm the worst of everyone for this like um because if I'm if I'm buying my own drinks or pouring my own drinks from a bottle of wine, I'm sort of semi-conscious about the rate of the speed with which I'm drinking. But I will tend to then, you know, I'll drink a glass of wine quite quickly and then give it some time before I pour another one. And these things, though, you drink the glass of wine quite quickly, and by the, by the time the glass, the empty glass has touched the table, the waiter's over topping it up. And of course, I could say no thank you, but that's not going to happen, is it? So I, I got a little bit tipsy, a little bit tipsy at this event. Took a lot of notes about who's going to steam, what price Altior is going to go off at, um, the the betting edges. It was an interesting thing. Channing said that um, um, the trader, the senior trader from Sporting Bet had said if if anybody at that dinner was having difficulty getting on at B Win because B Win is like the horse racing arm of Sporting Bet, I think I don't know why I don't know why he was the trader of Sporting Bet and talking about B Win, but there must be some sort of interlocking there. 
um, then you could email him at this email at sportingbet.com and ask to be ungubbed and he would lift your restrictions for Cheltenham as long as you didn't take the piss and just had one big bet when um, they were slightly out of line on one particular horse. Which is nice of them, but in all honesty, with the availability of accounts to me, that is literally the only reason I would go to Sporting Bet or BWIN and place a bet. So, no thank you very much. Um, so, had some beers and chat, a small chat with Neil Channing, which is very interesting. M- more so than Neil Channing, um, we met, is it Steve Baumol, who is the um, owner, CEO of... Red Zone Sports. And I do a lot of mug betting at Red Zone. Um, and one thing I've always been conscious of is it's probably one of the longest periods of time I've been betting at a bookmaker with um, without being restricted. I mean, some of these middles that I'm taking one side of at sport, at um, Red Zone Sports, I wouldn't have been surprised at all. You know, I'm sticking 300, 400, 500 pounds down on um, Gronkowski to have so many yards in a game. I wouldn't have been surprised. And th- and then they find out that just minutes after that they have to cut or change the line. I wouldn't have been su- I would have expected to have been limited. And I haven't been. And so I told him that and his opinion was that he was very happy to have have people like me because it helps him shape his lines. He was sat next to a 35-year-old investment banker. Investment bankers who are younger than me as well. Slight irritants who was very smart me and said that he owned the place. But I was, I was very complimentary to him. I was very honest about who we are at Bookie Bashing and what we're doing. And he was very welcoming and said that um, it's the kind of action that he wanted. is that As long as people aren't opening 300 accounts, he would rather people were taking top price with him or having a go at middling than opening up 300 accounts in their deaf, blind and dead grandfather's name um, and laying the free bets. That's a killer. Whereas if you're taking sharp lines with honest action, then he's able to sort of identify the sharp players and change his lines appropriately. It's kind of the pinnacle model. And I was very appreciative of that. They've got a new um, sign-up bonus for anyone that doesn't have a Red Zone sports account. And if you do, I mean, like, look, if you do and you're betting uh, on the 310 on a Tuesday afternoon at Leopardstown and you happen to put £200 on a 15-to-1 horse that had steamed into 13 two minutes before then, then you're going to have the um, your account gubbed to shit, at least on horse racing, and rightfully so, in my honest opinion. Um but, you know, if you're just having the one account and there's no latency, but you've just decided that you're going to take the opinion that a line is quite wrong, even if that is through something like middling, then they don't seem to mind. And so I had a lot of respect for the guy. Yeah. Um, after the event, we hit the um, uh, the Victoria Casino in London Um I don't know how I got in past the bouncers because I'd had too much to drink before then, but it took only about two or three pints inside there and I had to immediately turn on the get me back to the hotel beacon. Um, 
which was so immediate I left my coat in the Vic and all my notes that I'd taken during the Emporium dinner, which is where they currently reside to this day, because in the morning I just wanted to get home. <laughs> uh, how was Cheltenham for you? So this is the point of the Bashcast where I'm meant to have some notes up. I thought I did as well, actually, but it's not on that Chrome screen. Um, roughly, I would say, I've seen how some other forums have commented and how they've done. Congratulations to them. It seems to have been an unmitigated success. Let's look at this clearly and objectively. There were fewer races with worse terms and limited opportunities in this Cheltenham than in any other Cheltenham in history. If you look at value available in Cheltenham, we have been on a linear decrease in terms of equity for about three years now. It's been 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, from a high in 2016 where it would have been criminal if you weren't sort of making thousands during the Cheltenham Festival with very little effort. It's become harder. Um, offers have become more scarce. There are certain bookmakers. I mean, seriously, Ladbrokes, do they get one pound free bet every day at the festival offer? That was the... You know, it was only two or three years ago where there were £50 reloads every single day. William Hill started off the second place offer with refund of £50 at the same time as Ladbrokes were doing um, uh, £50 if your horse won. So if you've got a Ladbrokes or William Hill account, you can take the same four to one horse. You can back him at William Hill and at Ladbrokes. If he wins, you're going to get a £50 bonus on top. If he comes second, you're going to get £50 back. At that point, it almost, you know, I know the equity is the same, but you can take a relatively small bankroll and back and lay that, and it'd be worth so much money. And then fast forward to 2019, like, it's almost insulting saying you can have a £1 free bet during the festival. Hooray, I'll put that on all to you at one4 um, Coral were double odds, double winnings, but to, to, to £25, which means if you're betting on a 10 to 1 horse, you don't want to bet any more than £2.50 um, to take advantage of that. And then I didn't see anything at Betfred. Um, just a deluge of quite awful offers. If I did actually put a page, a page up. Excuse me, this whiskey's sitting in my throat. Let me just get rid of it. If I go to the forum. Got a horse racing. There was so much rubbish that it was actually important to separate the wheat from the chaff here. It bet UK five pound refund if you're sevenfold losers. Jesus Christ, sevenfold, sevenfold on horses as well. Bet for exchange ten pound refund if your horse goes in play and loses. Betway ten pounds refund on the first and last race of Cheltenham. And the thing about these on the first and last day of Cheltenham is it'd be so easy 
like after Cheltenham for the traders to apply an SQL script and say who was just betting on those races and no other race and then you just restrict and limit those people and then so sort of as a, a value better you've got to say by the way Wolves are just taking the lead that is unbelievable Raul Swansea took the lead earlier against City. You just knew Jimenez was going to score first, didn't you? I did, and yet I still bet on Rashford. Well, that man, Jimenez, he just would not be denied. When it comes back into him, initially... Talking about this, this is a complete tangent. I will get back to the shit offers of Cheltenham in a second. What was the DDHH? I know, I, I remember when I was skiing, someone on my team got on. I'll tell you what it was. It was Arsenal. It was Aaron Ramsey. He was 21 to back, and those smarty pants on the exchange realised that whatever position he was in, he was overpriced, and they smashed his lay down to... Looking at a 21 to back and 21 to lay DDHH, hours of fun if you're a hedger, even if you're not a hedger, which I'm not, the value betting opportunity on there is that you it's, you know, the equity is exactly the same. And so um, the, the more fun thing of value betting DDHH is you don't have to rely on the guy getting the second goal, which when um, he's 20 to 1, it is unlikely that he's going to get. It's less likely anyway that he's going to get more than one goal. And Aaron Ramsey, I was on, I was on a, I was in a bar in Switzerland, and I sort of stopped, looked at my phone, and I saw that he scored first um, with a hundred pounds in shop at twenty to one, which is just straight two thousand profit. And then if he gets a second goal in the game, it's another two thousand. A third goal in the game, it's another two thousand top of that you tell me how are you meant to enjoy the next hour and a half's worth of skiing when you're aware that any goal in that game could be Aaron Ramsey so you could constantly well I was checking my watch because my Apple watch is linked to flash scores notifications on my phone but it was difficult to focus you didn't get a second goal the bell end um oh sorry I've still got the sound turned up on the wolves Manchester United match They've got 17 minutes to get us out of jail here Manchester United um, what's the important things? Going through the shit offers of Cheltenham. Net bet, £10 refund on the first race of every day. Again, we're talking about that SQL script. Again, if you've got 100 accounts, maybe. And maybe the people that are saying I made £4,000 at Cheltenham, maybe they do have 100 accounts. The kind of... That's what you would need to make any serious money out of this. Sky Bingo, bet 25, get £5 free. I nailed down... And I, I didn't do any of these, but these two, Betfair Sportsbook, okay, pick a winger, SP, 3-1 to one or over, and get a £50 free bet if he wins. It's a decent offer. Nothing wrong with that. Skybet had an unbelievable money-back offer, which money back to £20 if your horse doesn't win. I actually think they uh, underestimated... The popularity of this. I heard that, you know, people who aren't advantage players, people who aren't match betters or anything, they were getting people to sign up 
in the office to deposit £20 to take advantage of this because, you know, you stick £20 on Wednesday and then Thursday and then Friday and if it doesn't win, you withdraw at the end of the week and if it does, you essentially had a free bet. It doesn't take a genius. Any member of the public can figure out the advantage playing that. As I understand it, they really had to start limiting their liability towards the end of the week. I think they reduced um, bog and the mind boggles for how much that cost them, but they would have been taken for a lot of money for that Skybet. On the other hand, everybody is now signed up with Skybet, and all all eyes are on them. And so whether that marketing is actually worth it or not, at the end of the day, maybe it is. Bet three six five just continually offering the best terms, one to four odds on each way, uh, the the best number of places, um, the fifty pound four to one free. Um, sort of bet offer where if you get a winner you get a free bet in the next race I mean hands down bet365 just continues to give away the value and also have the most market share and then bet Fred if you pick four winners in a lucky 1531.63 Yankee Canadian or Heinz bet we'll pay a 25% cash bonus on your winnings now I do like this you put some positive expectation horses into this and you just get a bonus on top. And so now instead of, you, you don't even have to be certain that everything is plus EV because the bonus on top will make the bet plus EV if that makes any sense. So a lot of people say, well, it's plus EV if it's a higher price than the exchange as Wolves are now 2-0 up. Wow. Listen to that. Wow. Do you know what? I, I hate to say this. I fancied Wolves and I fancied Jimenez and I wasn't clever enough to bet on either. He's an asshole. All right, we lost a little bit. <clears throat> the bash cast there as I press the button that stopped recording going back to it so looking at these um, um, Heinz's which you know a Heinz bet a super Heinz bet is seven selections by the way turned down the Wolves match sorry consisting of 21 doubles 35 trebles 35 four folds 21 five folds 7 six folds and 7 fold accumulator so it's a way of doing a 7 fold accumulator and getting some money back if you you only have two or three winners within there. Lee Westwood, former world number one in the world, was betting on these Heinzes on the Wednesday, I, the day that all the favourites won, which is the day that all advantage players are most annoyed because all the pals who don't know anything about gambling are winning, and Ocelot, who are betting at bigger odds, are probably not. Lee Westwood bet on City Island. 8 to 1, top of the game, 4 to 1. Kilatar Vic, Altior 4 to 9. Tiger Roll, 11 to 8. Band of Outlaws, 11 to 2. And Envoy Allen, 9 to 2. £2 Super Heinz, 120 bets, that's £240. You can afford it, I'm sure, Lee Westwood. When the fun stops, stop. The only horse that didn't win was Kilatar Vic. Looks like he placed it, like he's. He's cropped the screenshot, but it looks like, to me, it might be Skybet. He won £48,200 when all but one horse won. 
I just would think that he would possibly have made half a million if he wanted the proper EV. Maybe a quarter of a million. Maybe half isn't about much. But when you compound these negative EV bets, you really start losing money on them. So, yeah, we saw people extolling how great Cheltenham was elsewhere, saying they made thousands. The only way I can see that they made thousands without shop teams is at least 20 William Hill accounts that are expendable and they're able to lose. So if you ever see anyone sort of um, saying that they made risk-free money on Cheltenham, the only way they did it was serious, serious multi-accounting. In terms of value betting, it was hard slog value betting. Um, I was up quite a lot on the first day and then it was just a fall off a cliff. Even... Even though there was a little bit of resurgence at the end, a lot of variance involved with the value betting. Um, I had some... On the Wednesday, sorry, the Tuesday, it did look like the Wednesday was going to be off. And so we placed some value bets at William Hill on the hope that there was only going to be three days of racing. So there was a coupon within William Hills that said every day to have more than 20 lengths, 14 to 1. And I think it happened once in the last 10 years, but the problem is, or the benefit is, if there's only three days worth of racing, then all of a sudden that becomes good. And so we had a bet on it, hoping there would only be three days racing. And the same kind of thing, all races to be won by over a nose. Um, there was a nose winner in 2018, 17. There wasn't in 16, but there was in 15. So it was quite common but at seven to four um betting on this with only three days of racing was going to be positive expectation there were about a thousand lengths on the tuesday so that was easy that one was more than 20 but it lost on the thursday i think that one didn't come in but every race did finish more than a nose at seven to four so i was happy with that bet um but none of my anti-posts came in and uh, none of the rest of the value bets came in. Um, but the football did. And um, I'm going to focus on that. Where do we go now from the with the horse racing? Well, one, Duncan and I are going to look uh, very hard at the model scrapes that we were providing because we had to. We were hoping that William Hill were going to continue doing insane places, even at one to five odds. And after the Tuesday, they stopped. They just completely stopped. Um, they offered a couple more, but they weren't insane at the level that you would want to dutch it at fixed odds or SP. So we had a look at some filthy each way races. Um, and the model that we have, we realized that it kind of falls over when estimating EV very short price horses. I only kind of realized this after I'd posted up the scrape. Because we're very used to figuring out, will a mid-range horse, 6 to 1, 7 to 1, 8 to 1, up to 40, 50 to 1, will that, will the extra place be positive value for that? I mean, it's rare that a 100 to 1 horse will benefit at all by an extra place. But these horses that are sort of 5 to 1 all the way up to 40 to 1, the extra place really does enhance the ability to bet on them. And the calculation takes that into account. Now, again, as we've said, once you've reached up to 100 to 1, there is no real benefit other than if you're on every single other horse in the race, then all of a sudden you're dutching and at 100 to 1, it doesn't co co um, doesn't cost you very much money at all just to 
to balance the rest of the field. But at the short price horses, the the presenting Percy's, the Altios, the moral was falling down there, um, seriously o- um, overestimating the EV of those additional places. So what we have to do is we have to focus on that calculation and try and get it right. Uh, and and we'll sort of also get it all automated so that these scrapers are bringing in these odds rather than being reliant on me scraping, reposting, and scraping and reposting. Um, it was so I found it a very difficult Cheltenham, and my lowest um, returns of all time with my thousand pounds, but you can't sneeze at a thousand pounds, can you? Unless you've got it wrapped up in a handkerchief. <laughs> um, Today's Saturday, though. Three games in the Premiership because it's um, quarter-final day in the FA Cup as I'm watching in the background Manchester United being knocked out of the Cup. Um, those three games in the Premiership were Burnley versus Leicester, Newcastle versus Bournemouth, and West Ham versus Huddersfield. And William Hill had two of their Saturday headline bets up. They had a goal in the first half of all three English Premier League games at 5-2. to two. Um, And they had the over 2.5 goals in every game up at 8-1. to one. And I set these bets up on the tracker on the Friday and they weren't good. But by the time we got to kick-off on the Saturday, they had both come good. And this is one of the real benefits of the tracker. Like the tracker is monitoring all of the lays in real time, and when they steam in like they did, then we find value when I, I'm not necessarily focusing my attention in that direction. Well, Lardy Law, the 5-2 the to two coming in, I mean, unfortunately, William Hill are max about £50, so that's not going to make you rich. But the 8-1 to one coming in was quite nice, and at the same time, right at the death, Salford City, Chesterfield and Wrexham off of the National League with 13-2 to two at Ladbrokes. Get this, the implied lay had dropped down to 5.7, but Ladbrokes, in their latency, were still holding 13-2. to two. That one came in, £50 limits, returned £375 into your Ladbrokes account. And so I made 1500 quid on value mugs on the Saturday, which actually uh, surpassed the money that I made on uh, Cheltenham, factoring a couple of decent casino wins. And I still had an okay week, even though my synopsis of Cheltenham is it's getting so bad for the single accounters out there. It's getting, and the, the non-risk-free players, that's for sure. Manchester United have just scored, but it's the 94th minute and 55th second of the game. So there probably won't be enough time for them to get an equaliser. Will they? Won't they? We will find out after the break. That's right, guys. You are listening to the Bashcast. And it's brought to you by BookieBashing.net.
Now the things where I don't see The things where I go talk Now the things where I don't see The things where I go talk Now the things where I don't see The things where I go talk Now the things where I don't see What do you see? I see many, 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 many
and welcome back to the Bashcast. That was Turbulent Times by Delhi Sosimi. 2018 in the bookie bashing news. Some advantage players from America are fighting for their winnings at new online casinos. So anyone that has undertaken advantage play in brick and mortar casinos in America will probably be familiar with the Ocean Magic slot. It's one of the easier games to sort of know how to have an edge on. So Ocean Magic, you have five reels and there are four symbols on each reel. So 20 symbols in in total on the screen. But it has a memory, this slot. So if you walk up to any slot in a casino um, and someone's left it there and there is a wild on the screen, then that wild is going to have an effect on the next slot that you spin. Um, If the wild, the ocean magic bubble, is on the sort of top right of the screen when you spin it's going to sort of disappear up to the top right so it's not going to have that much of a benefit if any at all but if it's on the bottom left if it's on like real one at the bottom then it's going to bubble up to the top right and you're going to benefit from having a wild on the screen um it's quite a significant benefit as well in fact for this reason Ocean Magic in brick and mortar casinos can only be played up to, I think, five cents um, per line across, you know, 10 lines or 50 cents a go. You're not going to win a lot of money out of it at five cents a line. Um, So recently, some casinos opened up online in New Jersey as a result of the changing gambling laws over there, Uh, including Betfair Casino. And some advantage players logged on and they saw the Ocean Magic slot and they opened it up. And Kel Surprise, the very first spin when they opened it up, the Ocean Magic bubble was there at the bottom left. The big difference... It just didn't apply to a, a five cents per line spin, but it went all the way up to $30 per line, which is like $3,000 for a spin. And all of a sudden, of having EV of pennies, it's got EV of thousands of dollars to play this. So there's a report, and if you want to read it, it is in njonlinegambling.com. NewJerseyOnlineGambling.com The details, the grief that these advantage slot players um, had to go through to try and get their money. So I've been playing Ocean Magic pretty much since the day that I was made aware of the game, says Max, a professional gambler based in Las Vegas. The problem, as Max knew well, is that the stakes available um, were limited and so in turn was the upside 
Um, it was in late January that Max received a call from his friend Jay back east in New Jersey. Ocean Magic was available at legal online casinos in the Garden State. where And whereas $500 a spin was considered an extremely high limit on the brick and mortar machines in Vegas, online in Jersey, spins with favorable odds were available up to $3,000. I don't think that line's true, by the way. I don't think you could ever spin at $500 a spin. I think that's a, there's a decimal point missing there. It's $5, if that, a spin in brick and mortars. Um, there was a unique exploit specific to this online version. When Jay made me aware of Ocean Magic in a playable game state for nosebleed stakes, Max says, I was very excited to get involved. Max wasn't the only friend who got the call. Jay said there were about 10 people that played. Each opened his own account at numerous sites and made four-figure or five-figure deposits and bet as big as possible. The thing about this as well is that... If you change the stakes, especially in a brick-and-mortar casino, so you go from one cent to two cent, it will change the layout of the screen. You'll see this on, like, the extra chili slot and things like this, these megaway slot that have a memory. So if you want to try and find an Ocean Magic slot with a bubble at the bottom corner and you find it at one cent, you might think, well, what's the point of playing one cent when I could play five cents? Well, bump it up to two, three, four, five, and you'll find that the screen changed. What these guys found was that as they bumped it up all the way from whatever the lowest denomination was up to $3,000 a spin, the very first spin of every single go had that wild in the bottom left, making it positive EV. Um, I think I read that you're looking at about 240% EV to the player when you find a bubble right in the bottom left-hand corner. And if you add up the 14 or so online casinos that had this floor in it, including Betfair online casino, that worked out as about $95,000 worth of expected value per person opening up an account. Back to the story. Max wasn't the only friend who got the call. Jay says there were about 10 people that played. Each opened his own account at numerous sites. This started January the 29th, the Tuesday before the Super Bowl. Within a week, nearly every online casino in New Jersey had pulled the game. But Jay and his friends were already up almost a million dollars. Jay, that's what he asked to be called for the purposes of this article was working on Wall Street until 9-11 caused him to press the spin reels button on his career. He left New York for a fresh start and soon stumbled into what is known as advantage playing. Well, good on you, Jay. When most people picture a slots player, images pass through their minds of a blue-haired woman with a slowly diminishing bucket of quarters. Jay, now in his mid-40s, departs from that stereotype in every possible way, right down to the fact that his quarters in his buckets usually don't diminish. Advantage players look for any casino game that gives them an edge. Slots are part of it. Looking to vulture machines that have been left in a position with a positive expected value. For example, Ocean's Magic is known as... 
a dependent trial slot. With every spin, wild bubbles move up one spot on the screen until they disappear off the top edge. Advantage players will walk into the casino looking for machines vacated by previous players with wild bubbles in certain positions, knowing their EV and the jackpot potential are enhanced. There are also some table games that can be beaten. Everyone knows about card counting, a skill that's difficult to master which often requires a team of people working together. But sometimes the house just hands over an edge in an effort to get gamblers through the door. Some casinos have been known to offer a promotion which, with a triple-down option on blackjack, which gives players who understand when to double-down a positive overall expectation. Others offer a happy hour, such as roulette with 3-1 to one payout, etc. Then there are promotions like the one at Sugar House Casino in Philadelphia, where double jackpots and slots were offered for a specific period of time. Instead of the house having a 5% edge, players who knew which machines to pounce on could temporarily enjoy an edge of about 40%. I was in Atlantic City in June last year, says Jay, and I was looking at a couple of the sign-up bonuses online. Legal regulated online casinos first appeared in New Jersey in 2013. There's now about 20 or so sites in offering sign-up bonuses in the forms of free spins, free money, cashback refunds, and so forth. Um, and they are a key component for the competition for customers and deposits. An advantage player like Jay is always on the lookout for the lowest risk and highest reward offers. While checking out the sign-up bonus situation, he scrolled through the game selection and he saw Ocean Magic in one of the lobbies. I looked at it and started to realize on the first spin, it is always in an advantage position. Specifically, what he saw was a wild bubble which appeared on the first column in the second row. His first time playing it, Jay didn't realise the full extent of the advantage. He only had a few hundred dollars in his account and players can't see the board state of any denomination higher than what is in their account. He played several spins at a low denomination and, as he said, didn't think much of it. But on his next trip to New Jersey, Jay noticed a key detail. I realised that not only did the game start in an advantageous position on the $1 denomination, $2 denomination and $3 denomination, but each time that you switched denominations, the board went back to the original state for one spin on that denomination, he explained. So if you had played the one denomination already... It didn't go back to that state. But then you could play the two denomination, $2, and then the $3, and the $5, and so on and so forth. Once again, though, Jay's account contained limited funds, so he wasn't seeing the whole picture. He returned to Atlantic City in January, and this time, planning to place some large bets on the Super Bowl, his account was well-funded, five figures deep. That's when I realised the game started in that board state up to 3 thousand dollars a spin at some casinos it was capped at a thousand but at several it went up to three thousand jay could tell there was a serious opportunity here the next step was to put a number of on the seriousness of it so i guess this is like if you've ever played the jack in the beanstalk slot online it's like being in the bonus game with chickens and then being able to pay for a spin to start in that state i guess so Jay says, um, he contacted a friend with an actuarial background and asked him to run the math on the value he was looking at. He got back to me and said that basically for one spin, there was 126% um, EV. 
And then on three further spins, there was a 40%, 140% EV. So when you combine those three things together, you get over 200% expected value. Now, if the bet's only $303, it would not interest me. But when you're talking about $3,000, that's quite substantial. The plot thickened. Jay called a friend in the Advantage Playing community and suggested he fund an account and give it a try. Indeed, the board started in the same state at every denomination for each individual player for the first time through. Then they dug further. It wasn't just this one casino that offered it, Jay learned. It was 13 casinos that were offering the game in the same state. More numbers were run. Jay determined that one person playing Ocean Magic all the way through the denominations once in that advantageous state, and you could only do it once per account per casino, was worth, on average, about eighty to $100,000 across all the online casinos in Jersey offering that game. Then you factor in some sign-up bonuses, says Jay, and it became quite valuable. Max has been making his living playing poker for more than 10 years until about three years ago when some friends introduced him to the world of advantage play. For me, it's better than poker. Much lower volatility and much more cut and dried work. And I kind of look at it like a puzzle, trying to find exploits in these casinos. So it's not hard for me to get up every day and do this. When it comes to advantage gambling, as long as I can make sense of what I think my edge is, I'm willing to try it. Jay and his number crunching friend had already done the work of making sense of what the edge was. So Max got on a plane. They loaded a couple of accounts, Max recalls, and had immediate success. In the most matter of fact manner imaginable, Jay describes that immediate success. The first account happened to get lucky, he says, and we hit it for $220,000. It's about three times the average annual household income. Jay and his friends reeled that amount of money in with one journey up the denominations at the Golden Nugget Casino. At the typical online casino, the the cashier page includes language indicating how long players should allow for a withdrawal to process. Some say up to 48 hours, others say up to five business days. Jay says Golden Nugget paid his account in full about 30 hours after the withdrawal request. So far, so good. We then let all our friends know about this crazy game, Jay says, and pretty much everybody we knew flew in and made deposits. Under different circumstances with a different type of game, a case could be made that Jay and his friends tried too much too fast. If you're running a blackjack card card counting scheme, for example, you keep your bets and wins modest, otherwise you might get noticed. If Phil Ivey and Kelly Sung had left the Borgata Baccarat table after winning $1 million instead of hanging around until they'd won 10 times that, maybe nobody would have raised an eyebrow. With Ocean Magic at the online casinos, though, the play was always going to be limited, and the goal was to hit it as hard as they could whilst they could. It's over with once you win because there's no plays left, Jay explains. It's only advantageous for four spins at each denomination. So you're talking about maybe 80 spins, unless there are some re-triggers involved, and then you're done. Then that person has no reason to play on the site anymore. And an Ocean Magic player can't intentionally give a little back to keep the house off the scent. You can't minimise your win because you have no control what's going to come out on that spin, Jay says. You're starting with two wilds. If five more wilds come out, you're winning a quarter of a million dollars no matter what you do and you don't have any control over it. The other thing is that it's not going to last. Once one person would hit that big, it's going to be gone on that site. 
That made Jay's approach straightforward. I tell my friends, and as much as they can win, they can win. So deposits were made and games were played and a lot of accounts were lost. Even with a mathematical edge, sometimes you're going to brick out. There was a risk involved for Jay and his friends, but overall the results fell in line with his mathematical friends' calculations. Collectively, across the 13 sites, the players won $900,000. They withdrew the first $400,000 without any problems, but then it got complicated. On February the 2nd, resorts moved removed Ocean Magic. On February the 5th, seven more New Jersey online casinos followed suit. Within two more games, uh, two more days, the game was gone everywhere. It was over. From his Twitter handle at Play with an Edge One, Jay posted a screenshot of one of his winning Ocean Magic boards on February the sixth and wrote, "Oh bubbles, it was a good run. You will be missed. We had a full." week max says which was honestly much more than we expected but there was a detail they didn't see coming the remaining half a million bucks or so that they'd won wasn't to be released to them inside those industry standard time windows there are two sides worth telling in a story like this so nj online gambling reached out to the casinos we tried to make contact at bogarta Play Sugar House, Golden Nuggets, Caesars, Betfair and Hard Rock. In some cases, the contacts were generic. In other cases, we had direct phone numbers and email addresses for representatives who absolutely had awareness of this situation. Not a single voicemail or email was returned. We also tried to reach International Gaming Technology, IGT, the company that provided Ocean Magic to the casinos. Again, we couldn't get anywhere. As of February the 11th, when we first spoke to Jay or Max... Either they or their friends were struggling to get money from six different sites, ranging from about $30,000 to $130,000. In many cases, they said their customer services experiences were less than ideal. We're getting everyone from low-level employees all the way up to management that are just straight-out bullshitting us, Jay said during that initial conversation. We can't get anywhere. They're just stonewalling us at every turn. Ask a manager. The manager's not in. Call on a Friday. We don't work Fridays. Call today. It's a snow day. Based on my research in the state of New Jersey, if you hit the lottery or you hit a single casino jackpot in excess of $50,000 and you owe child support, they have a right to withhold it. They're claiming that they're running child support checks on people that aren't even withdrawing $50,000. Max related a similar experience with one casino. I requested management and she told me something along the lines of, well, it's pending verification for integrity from the game vendor and it's pending legitimacy checks. She then brought up child support checks, which is not even in play. It's not even relevant. Jay said that on the February the 11th, he was about to turn to the New Jersey Division of Gaming Enforcement to intervene. I guess that's the New Jersey equivalent of IBAS. I hope they have a little bit more backbone and um, authority. New Jersey Online Gambling tried to reach out to the DGE for comment on multiple occasions this week, but we couldn't get an answer on the phone, couldn't leave a voice message due to a full mailbox, and got no response to an email outreach either. Perhaps they are exactly as authoritarian and... What's the word? Useful as IBAS. It would be ideal to be able to explore multiple sides of this story, 
but only one side is talking. What makes the casino's apparent reluctance to address the situation particularly the, the situation particularly perplexing is the fact that some of those that we reached out to have now paid the Ocean Magic players in full. Play Sugar House, after locking a player's account and telling him that they'd brought in the DGE to investigate, released payment on February the 13th. The day before that, Golden Nuggets Director of Customer Service for Online Gaming sent a polite email to a player telling him that he'd received verbal approval from the executive leadership team to pay out $66,330. Why would those casinos decline to issue a comment to the media when the situation has been resolved and the only one, the only remaining gripe against them that the payment was delayed by a week or so? One can only speculate embarrassment over getting beaten or having stalled on the payout process maybe playing a role maybe the dge specifically instructed the operators not to come comment publicly maybe it's an igt's request whatever the case across the board somewhere on the chain of command a decision has been made to go silent as of february the 20th jay said the players were still owed money from three outlets. Bogata, Play MGM, which told one of the players in an email that they had violated the terms and services of our site, was holding $130,000, according to Jay. There isn't anything in the Bogata terms and conditions that the players appear to run afoul of, although the possibility of withdrawal delays due to any security review are accounted for in the fine print. Bogata has a rather high-profile history of digging its feet in when an advantage play against the casino is successful. See the Ivy Baccarat case. This is not out of character for MGM Bogata, but it is troubling that the casino conglomerate is holding a six-figure sum and won't give the players a reason why. Caesars allegedly owes $40,000, but that particular payout situation was complicated by the fact that Ocean Magic was removed from the site with a player in mid-game, with the board still in a state that they paid for, Jay says, and a remaining upside possibly as high as $200,000. And then there's the most perplexing holdout, Hard Rock. Jay claims the casino owes one player about $700, the modest remaining balance in an account that lost a considerable amount. We don't know how involved the DGE has been to this point. Whilst it's encouraging that the amount owed to the players has been whittled down significantly from where it started, ideally a DGE interjection would have resulted in a uniform solution. The players' dealings with the various casinos has been anything but uniform. I've checked with four attorneys on this, Jay says, and not one of them has even a shadow of a doubt on whether any of us did anything illegal. I mean, if I thought I'd done even rem something remotely wrong, I wouldn't push the issue. I'd be happy with what we got. But nobody has said to me we did anything wrong. Everything was done in the state of New Jersey. We were on no VPNs. Everyone played on their own account. They're basically holding not only the winnings, but our deposit money as well. I pride myself in never having to lie, cheat or steal or break any laws or to do my job, he says. I'm not too concerned about getting paid. Obviously, it's a lot of money to everybody involved, so it's a sweat, but we were very careful to make sure we didn't break any rules. We had a bet that was available on their software that anyone could make and they took our deposits and they booked our actions. Pay the bet. The irony here is that the payment of a bet is the crux of everything in gambling. If the customer could do this to them... If a customer could be like, I want to review everything and look for reasons not to pay my bet to you, they would be out of business in one week. 
Instead, in one week, 13 casinos combined lost a little under a million dollars, hardly enough to put them out of business, not even enough for the higher-ups in the corner offices to notice if it was dealt with quietly and efficiently. This is an industry, after all, that currently pulls in over 30 million monthly in in gross gaming revenue. It's uncertain as of now, about three weeks after the Ocean Magic reels stopped spinning, whether the players will be paid in full. They've been steadily itching inching in that direction if the dge interview intervened and is helping to make that happen which seems likely based on the information shared by max and jay and the communications from the casino that they showed us it speaks to the positives of a regulated market when an offshore casino declines to process your withdrawal you have no legal recourse. In New Jersey, proper channels exist. We don't know yet how the story is going to end. We do know that for one week, the players held the advantage over the house. If this is to be a positive story for the US gambling industry, it will end with them having nearly a million dollars to show for it. So there you go. An edge from some advantage players playing a slot in New Jersey. Are you surprised or ashamed at all that uh, a UK company, a casino company, has entered for the first time American commercial space and has started offering casino games to players in America and has instantly got themselves entangled into a, oh, some advantage players took advantage of us, so we're not going to give them their money, shock, horror, surprise kind of argument. Are you surprised? I feel like the environment that we have fostered in the UK is going to slowly bleed out across the rest of the world like a cancer, and there's not much that we can do. But good luck to these guys. I really, really hope that they get every single penny that is genuinely owed to them. And can you imagine just sitting there and opening that slot and it's suddenly dawning on you the opportunity that was in front of you, that you had a 200% EV slot sitting there with no bonus or anything, just sitting there in a positive expected frame, knowing that per person that walked up to this and signed up, they would make $90,000. I would make everybody that I know, I would give them my money, but I would make them physically press the buttons of the computer or the iPhone to register. I'd probably film them doing it so that there was no question. Um, And I would make them physically spin the reels. And then there would just be no question that it was them that was doing it. And then Give them a split. What do you reckon's fair for $90,000 worth of EV, which is about £80,000, given that you could lose? What would you give someone? I reckon I reckon I would, could depart with twenty grand. i would be like, every person on my phone book or my Facebook friend list, here's £20,000. If you don't win, neither of us are getting anything, but I'll cover the losses. And if you do win, I'll give you twenty grand. I'd have to run some Monte Carlo simulations to see if that was good. I don't know. What else is in the bookie bashing news? The intent here is to gain a clear perception of humanity. Where we've been, where we're going, the pitfalls and the possibilities, the perils and the promise. Perhaps even an answer to that universal question. Why? Uh, There have been some going-ons at bookie bashing HQ. Some of it positive, some of it not so positive. I first was... 
pointed in the direction of the not so positive on Telegram by a couple of members um, who sent me a message saying, did I know that a few bookie bashing, a few of the bookie bashing community are a little bit unsatisfied with recent goings on. Unfortunately, I didn't read this message for two weeks um, and then I had some holiday time. So it, it seemed to fester under the surface for a little bit of time. Um, the changes we've had at Bucky Bashing have really been twofold. We've moved from a communication tool of a single channel on Telegram to Discord. Discord is this multi-channel communication platform, obviously designed by gamers, for gamers. Um, and there were a number of reasons we did that. One, we were getting like... Okay, so at Bucky Bashing, we've grown from 50 members to 200 members very, very, very slowly in like three years. Okay? And our mantra after year three remains exactly the same mantra as year one. And year one, day one, Duncan and I sat in my living room having a beer as advantage players ourselves. And we discussed, wouldn't it be great if we had a community, a real community, that were experienced advantage players? Because the way we make money is that we learn new skills and we share those skills with people and people share them with us. So our great idea was we could take our advantage play to the next level by creating a community of advantage players who would all share with each other. So for three years, this was our goal. Um, now, we grew from 50 people to 200 people, but we had this single channel of communication on Telegram. In fact, we didn't even have to have that. We could have just stuck to the forum that the site's built on on WordPress, but that forum is clunky. It's not very user-friendly on an iPhone. I don't like it that much, let alone people coming and joining Bucky Bashing. So Telegram, when we had 50 people, was great. When we had 200 people, it wasn't so great. And the reason was, let's say there's 200 people. You might get 15 or 20 people who know each other and are confident that talk all of the time, and they'll take over the discussion because there's a single channel there. And that there's nothing wrong with being vocal, but it got to the point that if you weren't one of the people having those continuous conversations, you were just kind of like looking at that channel thinking, I, I want to find out where the value is, which is the whole point of bucky bashing. And I have to go through a couple of hours of these guys talking to each other. Again, I reiterate, there's nothing wrong with these guys talking to each other. The only thing that was going wrong is that the people that weren't engaged in the conversation were unable to find or found it very difficult to find where the, the, the talk about value was. And it was my opinion that something had to change there. Now, for the people that loved Telegram, that was always going to piss them off, that that was going to change. But it was a decision that we needed to make. And I, I we, Duncan and I agreed that we were going to go ahead with Discord, where you could have multiple channels. If you wanted to bitch about people, go to the bitching channel. You want to talk about casinos, go here. Some people don't do casinos, they can talk on sports. Some people don't do shops, they etc. You know what I mean? So there's channels for every different thing. Uh, 
So that was the first thing that changed. And then on top of that, what was changing was that if you look at our growth charts, we were actually starting to make some traction just in the background. Now, it, believe me or don't believe me, but we've, we, we've never been in this to be a new profit accumulator or a profit maximizer. Profit accumulator's mantra was really to target the mass market. They wanted mum's net match betting and they wanted to charge 50,000 people £20 a month to make a million pounds a month or whatever. You know what I mean? Now, I don't want to teach mum's net how to do match betting. I'm sorry. Never wanted to do that. I, in fact, I, I'm more than aware how much money can be made out of advantage play. And the answer is enough for me to have a comfortable life for the rest of my life. I already have a very comfortable life. I've had a comfortable life for a number of years. It doesn't need to get that much more comfortable. You know, I, I, I'm one of these people. I could have 10 million pounds in the bank and I would still have a 10,000 pound car. Not because I'm tight, which I am a little bit, but because I don't assign a lot of value into um, expensive things with the possible exception of nice restaurants. But then, you know, anyone can go to nice restaurants if they save for them. The important thing for me is more freedom. It's the freedom to be able to spend time with my family and do what I want to do. Ironically, with the freedom, I probably work harder than when I had a job. Um, but the, in th the what it's given me is it's given me control. You know, if I ever don't want to do anything, if I ever do want to spend time with my daughter, if I ever want to X, Y, Z, it's my personal choice. I can take a day, I can take as many holidays, whatever, you know what I mean? So I'm, I've always been satisfied and happy with the idea of advantage play being... Um, um, being what I'll do, especially at least when whilst the kids are this young that they're not in school. The major benefit for be, me being is that I can be at home with them. So that is what we've always wanted to do. I think possibly some people started to get the opinion that all we were doing at the site is that we were turning into one of these sites that wants to charge as much as it can for a less than premium product. Um... So we changed a few things. The first thing that had to change, by the way, is that every single day for three years, I was going out and finding the value from this, the websites. Now, whilst I continue to do that, and I will continue to do that, though I was really doing a lot of stuff that could be automated through a bot. And so I was visiting all of the sites, transcribing all of the multiples that were all on all of the sites, and then putting a static lay on a JPEG and posting on the site. Well, Lee came around and said, you don't need to do any of that stuff. We've got a bot that can interrogate and do it automatically. And then the benefit here is that if someone sees something that I haven't, and of course I can't see everything, like if it's three in the morning, I'm not going to see it, am I? Uh, if, there's, if, if the baseball, the Super Bowl is on and... Bet Victor turns around and says there's this amazing 150% EV and it happens to be quarter past three in the morning, then I can't possibly be around to see that and put it on the site. So the bonus of this new tool is that a bot could do it or it, it could be user-populated. If you saw something that I hadn't, you could put it on the tracker and it would be on there and it would monitor itself against the lay. Um, and with the new tool and the new efficiencies came new costs. 
Now, I've never been comfortable about charging anyone more than they originally signed up with. And so one of the rules was, if you ever did pay a rate, you will always continue to pay that rate for the same service. So if you've got used to having access to, say, the Boost Tracker right now and you pay X pounds a month, you'll never pay double, triple, quadruple that. You'll always pay the X pounds a month. That's a fair thing. You signed up for an agreement. I'm not going to be a man of my word and change that. However, some people did start to say there are lots more people around in bookie bashing and we don't necessarily think that they are as experienced or as intelligent or sort of little factions, little groups started to form within bookie bashing. I wasn't prepared for this at all. So my experience, in fact, my expectation was never how to manage a community of people. I'm not a Mark Zuckerberg I have no interest in any of that. I have interest in making money from Advantage Play and sharing that and getting other people to share that. You know, if you look on the side, we never even really had any rules. There's no rules to be enforced. I just kind of hoped and trusted that people would behave and not fall out with each other. And unfortunately in Telegram, people did start to fall out every now and again. Jen had to walk in for the first time and sort of police it. So we moved away from Telegram and we pissed a lot of people off moving away from Telegram. We then upped costs for new members and for new tools, and we pissed a lot of people off upping costs for new members and for new tools. Um, And there was this kind of stupid business idea that we will admit now that was a a bad idea from our part, where every time we create a new tool, we're going to bolt on a price with it. Now, there was not a lot of thought that went into that, other than it was fair, and in hindsight, it probably comes across from a user experience that this is a never-ending build-up of costs that's going to need to be paid to bookie bashing. Again, this was not our intention. Right, the development of these tools cost money. The maintenance of the tools cost money. Um, uh, And whilst I'm not saying that we need to pay people wages. We certainly need to pay people that are working on the site enough money to keep a house over their heads and feed their own children. So there is an element of cost that is necessary there. But regardless, these rumblings started to come up. We had some feedback. Some said um, bookie bashers, customer bashers more like. And that, I'm not going to lie, that, that stuck with me because I never wanted to be a customer basher. My idea was to have a community of people sharing information between each other. Excuse me. And then this idea that we were in it to gain traction and to drag mum, someone said Mumsnet was the kind of people that we were now marketing ourselves to, which couldn't be further from the truth. So we've decided to take some action at Bookie Bashing to try and mitigate this. Because certainly... If enough members are pissed off, then we have to take a hard look in the mirror and try and figure out what it is that we did wrong. And so, because people wouldn't be pissed off if we didn't do something wrong. And so here are the areas. One, growth happened too quickly in terms of membership numbers. Two, there was uncertainty about the overall cost of bookie bashing when we're adding on new tools and bolting on new prices. And three, we are diluting the community and the information in the community with membership growth. And if you want to add in four, some people were pissed off that we moved away from Telegram. 
So here are the four solutions for those things. Well, the Telegram thing solved itself. The, some of the old guard have formed private groups on Telegram and just, are now just going to share things with each other. Now, I will certainly admit that it's a little bit unfortunate um, that we've lost. There's definitely um, quietness around bookie bashing without the, that old guard just now. And it's a shame that they feel like they have to go and have these private telegram groups, but I understand it completely. And perhaps is exactly the kind of thing I would have done had I not been, you know, on this side of the fence. And I hope that one day that they'll be back and perhaps they won't be, and that's cool as well. In terms of diluting the quality of the information, there is got to be some fact that the bigger that we grow at the old, you know, it was a nominal £10 a month to join the site before, and all that really was doing was paying for the servers and keeping um, keeping trolls out the door. So now we've bumped up to, quite frankly, an outrageous amount of money to join the site. Deliberately outrageous. Okay, we've gone from £10 a month to £70 a month. If you're a new person, you were, you were not a member of Bucky Bashing before, to join the site that's 70 pounds a month do we genuinely expect people to pay that no maybe there are a few really experienced and um uh, successful advantage players out there that want to join our site so we haven't closed the door completely to those people because we still think i still think there's a lot of people out there that have information that they would be willing to share bear in mind at 200 members which we are just now 224 if you want an exact figure we're still half a percent the size of the big arbitrage sites so anything shared within our community i would hope that still you know people would be savvy enough not to share it outside of there and i still think there's advantage players out there that can come and learn from us and share the things that they know but and so i didn't want to just completely close the door and say you can't join but we've set the new membership level at such a position at 70 pounds a month that it protects the integrity of the site you're only going to join if you're experienced a byproduct of this is we fully expect now throughout the next 12 months definitely throughout 2019 that that is going to halt membership growth and if anything we're going to see a decline in membership as people that were totally dissatisfied with bookie bashing drift off and leave in the next few months so we're going to have no new members and we're going to have people leaving hopefully by the end of the year what that does is that starts sort of reconcreting uh, re um, a foundation, a basis from which people have confidence in the integrity of bookie bashing, right? We're not going to get any bigger. If we, if anyone does join, they're going to be good enough at what they do that £70 a month is chump change to them and we're going to lose some people. Those three things should really protect the integrity of the site. Um, so I just wanted to explain on the Bashcast that this wasn't being done for... Um, what's the word? Um, for reasons of commercial interest to us. Okay, believe me, if we wanted to maintain commercial interest and make as much money as we could out of people, £20 a month for everybody joining, which is about the same as um, the other big arbitrage sites, is a perfect level um, to aim at, especially as... You know, throughout this year and next year, as the risk-free stuff dwindles away, people will be searching for new opportunities. And we are quite well positioned. And we could have put ourselves in a place where we could have seen 
500,000 people at projected growth at the beginning of this year, we would have seen them come and join the site. At £20 a month, we would have been ideally positioned. And then we would have made... Um, we would have made a mint out of just ripping people off and providing low quality information and allowing the community to become diluted. Didn't Don't want to do that. It's not my interest. It's not what we wanted on day one. It's not what we want today. We want a community that has integrity, intelligence, and is protected. And so believe me when I say it is for that reason that we have upped new membership to a cost that is outrageous, that very few people are going to take up, that is going to see membership growth halt and is going to see membership numbers decline over the year. Um, in terms of the communication channel, we've made our decision. If we'd stuck with Telegram, some people would have been pissed off. If we'd uh, moved to Discord, some people would have been pissed off. We couldn't keep everybody happy. We made a decision to move to Discord. It does allow us to have different channels, and that is more important than the single channel that was on available to us at Telegram. There are, um, we did start with only a few. There was a suggestion that we expand that, and I did. And then uh, it was very quiet for a time. Um, one of the reasons it was very quiet is just after we moved to Discord, Duncan and I both went on holiday at the same time, which was a bad idea because we didn't allow any inertia to happen with the communication channels. Um, and it went very quiet. Well, we're back now. We have the shop channel and we're populating that every day. Not every day. I have a day off a week. I don't do a lot on Sundays and I have Monday off, right? <laughs> One bit of feedback somebody said um, was, for £70 a month, do you still expect us to go and get the coupons ourselves and populate the boosts? Is that really how it comes across? That's kind of some one of the reasons why I'm saying this. My feedback to that is, I get almost all of the coupons myself. I always have. If, it might not be me, but it's some of my pals send them to me. Occasionally, some of my pals have other things to do, which means they can't walk into a shop. So I'll go and get the coupons. And occasionally, the coupons aren't out, or I'm with Sasha or Ewan, and I'm not legally allowed to walk in to a bookmaker's. On those occasions, if you happen to be walking past one, or in one, and you pick up a Pusher's coupon or a Seventh Heaven or whatever, and you post it on the site, that'd be really useful. Really useful. There's 200 people in the community, and um, odds are on that some, someone in the community is going to be in a bookmaker on any particular day. There's no obligation for anyone to do that. It's just the kind of thing that is helpful. I have no expectation expectation for anyone to do that. Once it's posted, I pretty much drop what I do, um, anything that I'm doing, and I, believe it or not, I manually type out every coupon onto Excel before uploading it onto the coupon tracker. You would have thought that through... OCR and character reading, we would have found a better way of doing this, or we would send the coupon to Pakistan or India or somewhere, someone would do it for us. I'm not saying we haven't explored those things. In fact, we've explored each and every one of those things, and the problem with them is that no one can turn them around quicker than me stopping what I'm doing and typing the coupon into Excel and uploading it onto the tracker. In fact, I was in a bar... When I was skiing and someone posted the pushers coupon two hours before kickoff in the Champions League and I found a laptop and I just sat there with the coupon on my phone 
and I just went through data entering it, literally typing in the team names and putting in the fractional logs. That's how archaic the system is. And yes, if you find it, please upload it. That'd be useful, but there's no expectation for you to do so. On top of that, I will still continue for the days that I'm working, which is six days a week, to go through each and every site of the bookmakers for three to four hours every single day, and I'll upload everything that I see. If something comes through at 3.30 in the morning, I'm not going to be able to do it. If something comes through just after I've left the bookmaker, of course I'm going to miss things. And occasionally I might be ill, one of my kids might be ill, or it's a Monday and I've decided that I'm having the day off. If you want to populate the tracker then, you're more than welcome to, but there is no obligation for anybody to populate the tracker, to go and find coupons, or to even communicate with each other. I hope I'm getting across what I'm trying to sort of say here, this kind of like bigger picture that a community of advantage players that shares its edges with each other will end up making more money as a collective than the individual parts. The sum of the collective, the total profit will be greater than the individual parts. It always is. It's like that with um, with any team that you might be in where, you know, you start losing money and you naturally want to slow down, but somebody else in your team doesn't necessarily want to slow down. They end up having a big win and all of a sudden all of those negative feelings that you had were gone. It's the same kind of thing. That's what we're trying to build. So here's the end night. I won't lie. There was a discussion we had. With, um, do we just call it a day now? You know, did we give Bucky Bashing a go and um, you, you know, we failed at perhaps the final hurdle? I don't think we're at that point yet. This is a really good foundation that we're that we're at. And I hope you understand that the changes that we've put in place are all that we hope are for the benefit of the of the community. We've essentially shut the door to any newbies. You're not going to join unless you're going to pay 70 pounds a month and how many people are going to do that that are risk-free match betters? We've got Discord the with loads of different communication channels now, so if you don't want to hear people bitch, then you don't have to. If you were you paying a particular amount, you're never going to pay more than that for the same kind of access. So um, you can't, com you know, I hope you can't complain that we're just here to rip you off. And in terms of the democratic forward direction of the community, I've created a channel on Discord which is polls and feedback or something like that, um, where any decision that we make in on the site moving forward will be done at the basis of a democratic poll. And if the community doesn't want it to happen, then we go by what the community says, giving com control to you guys, essentially. So that are the, that's the changes that we've made. I'll still continue to find edges, to post scrapes for golf on you know, the original forum that is of no extra cost. Anything that I find, any casino edge that I have, um, I'm share. I'm going to be sharing on there, things like that. And my only hope and dream is that everyone does as well. I think, you know, it's very possible we're in a fantastic position where what we can do now is just see the community grow in, ter in terms of the confidence of the community grow, not the numbers, you know what I mean? Uh, a lot of discussion backwards and forwards um 
And potentially this could be something, you know, that positions us really well for the future of advantage play um, in the country. Because it's a really weird moment that we're at at the industry just now. Everyone that's at Bucky Bashing just now probably has the benefit of what they've done in terms of, you know, building their bankroll in the last few years. That I don't think people, if they were starting now, are going to have the same opportunity moving forward. Which means that there's going to be this kind of gap between the... Um, any kind of risk-free advantage player is not going to be able to breach in the next couple of years. So if you are already at the level where you're doing value betting and the kind of things at bookie bashing, there might not be a huge swathe of people that are coming after you. Um, And that can only be a good thing for us. So we might have the freedom of the playground in a year or two where there are all of these offers that we're taking part in and others aren't because of uh, our experience and our you know, understanding and tolerance of risk that others don't necessarily have. And I really think that there's some positivity to be taken about that. I hope that makes sense to you. If you've got any feedback on anything that I said, all I want, negative or positive, is people to get in touch, leave it on Discord, send me an email talk about it on telegram and if you do take a screenshot and forward it on just at least let me know that you know whether what we've been saying is positive or negative or at least just let us know that you're talking about it it's oscar wilde that said that there's only one thing in the world worse than being talked about and that is not being talked about whatever it is that you're betting on in the next few days didn't even get into tony for now for the players championship or byung hunan we're just gonna have to talk about that next week if either of them win and we'll just gloss over it if they don't i do hope that it is value this is tom signing out this is big is it cool, it's